the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Deeply of Jesus, will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to him, dear sinner, and drink.
He was not happy. He was in jail. And he didn't deserve to be there. Except, can I tell you a secret? Every one of us deserve to be in jail. Every one of us has sinned against Almighty God. And some of you are continuing to sin. There's nothing holy about a human person. We are wicked to the very core of our being. If you have not yet understood that, then confess that. You're still extremely immature. Take the most righteous, innocent person in the world. And before God, they are utterly sinful. Because there is nothing good in the flesh of man. We are incredibly evil. So we're not innocent. Well, he was unhappy. I understand. But the Lord was with him, even in jail where the Lord had placed him. Now we're talking today about the maturing of Joseph. Maturing never happens in success. Maturing happens in anguish and pain, being put in jail. I don't like that either. There's not much about this I like. But what I do like and what I do want is that God was involved in the details of what was going on in Joseph's life and God is desperately concerned about you and me and he is involved in the intimate details of our lives and of our hearts. Now we may not know that, but he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He understands exactly what he's doing. Because he's got to bring us to a place of maturity and a place of service. Or he's got to leave us in jail. And many of you today are in jail. I confess to you, I am in jail today. Not the jail of a man. But I'm in the prison house of Almighty God. I'm now in the sixth month of having my right leg shattered, not working. Incredible pain. Well, it's in pain and suffering and being in prison that we finally begin to humble our hearts before God and grow up and forget about ourselves and begin to concentrate on, on what God's up to what he wants. Well, in chapter 40 of Genesis, Joseph is in prison. 
for supposedly trying to rape Potiphar's wife. Potiphar doesn't believe that lie. He knows his wife. If he believed that lie, he would have executed, without any question, Joseph. But Joseph is in prison. He's been there a while. He's learned the ropes, and he's now been put in charge of everything in the prison. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. Now, please note, this has nothing to do with Joseph. It is outside of the prison. It is in the palace. It is miles away from Joseph. But watch how, watch how it touches Joseph's life. God will bring things from outside of our lives, things we don't begin to expect. Because God's the one who's in charge, not Joseph. Well, he goes in to take care of them. He's been assigned the task of taking care of them physically by the captain of the guard, Potiphar himself. He walks in and he says in the cell, why are your faces so sad today? Well, we both had dreams, they answered, but we don't know how to interpret them. Well, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and squeezed them into it, and Pharaoh's cup, and put it in the cup of his hand, in the hand, and he was happy. Well, this is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will be put, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were the cupbearer. This is a very honored position because people would try to poison that cup. When all goes well with you, he said, remember me. Show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Well, let's just stop a minute. Who put him in that prison? He was innocent. Who put him in? God did. Who's going to get him out? God will. But he thinks he has to play his influence game. And that's one of the things that God has to break from his heart. He cannot deliver himself. I cannot deliver myself. I cannot heal my leg. I cannot do anything but wait on Almighty God. 
And that's why before this happened, he said to me, wait upon the Lord. Well, I didn't want to wait on the Lord, so I didn't. And so he put me in his prison. Six months. I can't talk to anybody who will come and get me out. Only God can get me out. Do you understand? Are you in a prison? That's a very key stage of of maturing. Joseph. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a... Oh, yes, he has. He's claiming innocence. No human being is innocent. Some of you are having a hard time with that, I can tell. You think of yourself as, I'm a good person and I'm innocent. No, you're not a good person. You're rotten to the core. And you don't deserve any deliverance. And it's only God's mercy that he has carried you. Look at at Romans, the second chapter. Look at Romans, the third chapter. Well, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation to Joseph, he said, I too had a dream. On my head, there were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Well, this is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for all of his officials, and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of the officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position as the one again to to put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. In other words, they're saying, we trust this man. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Now he had asked that the chief cupbearer would remember him and talk to Pharaoh about him. Put in a favorable word and ask that he be investigated and, and released. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Ooh, now this man, who's been given a, a wonderful interpretation of his dream, does not remember to say anything to Pharaoh, well, it would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Two more years pass. In other words, for trying to deliver himself, he got two more years of prison life. 
after two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile River, and out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. And they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood there on the river bank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. And then Pharaoh woke up. After a time, he fell asleep again, and, and he had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. And then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he had interpreted them. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Joseph was sent for. Pharaoh quickly brought him from the dungeon. First he had to shave and change his clothes and get clean. And then he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you, that you can interpret a dream. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Where did Joseph, coming out of the prison... Where did he suddenly gain such insight and power? God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It took two more years to really humble Joseph. Can I say this to you? Sometimes it takes years to humble a man's heart. Sometimes it will take much discomfort and pain to humble a man's heart or a woman. I'm not leaving you out, women. 
God knows what he wants you to do. Some of you have refused to do what God wants you to do. You've been too proud, too independent, too full of yourself. So you've refused the Holy Spirit. How long does he have to bring you into a place of punishment? What would God have to do to you to humble your heart so that you would stop spouting off your wickedness? And you would stop treating other people as though they were scum and you were the prince or princess of the world. What would have to happen to you? What's God have to do to you? I pray he'll do whatever he has to do to bring you to your senses and to humble your heart. Some of you will endure such suffering but you won't break. You're proud, you're arrogant. You don't want to humble your heart. Well, I know what that's about. I thought I was a good person pastor i'm not doing anything illegal i'm i'm treating people well after god put me in prison with a broken leg he began to show me how arrogant i was how proud i was how independent i was how i wanted what i wanted I praise God, he's, he's dealing with all of that in me. How long will I be here? As long as it takes. Why didn't you go to a doctor and just get it taken care of? Are you kidding me? What would God have done to me next? No, I'm submitted to God. Whatever he wants to do, he's doing because he needs to do. Now, I know many of you are going to disagree with me on this. Pastor, you're being stupid. No, they've told me that right to my face. No, I'm not here to have a good life. I'm here to get ready to go to heaven. I'm here to get ready to serve him in whatever capacity he chooses that he would like me to serve him in. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Don't, don't give me this. Can I really put it bluntly? Don't give me this hogwash that you're ready to go, that you're that you're good to go and, and you've got everything in control. And Are you kidding me? That attitude will get you more pain. We have to bend 
remember before all of this started, I had such a cry in my heart for a deeper walk with Jesus. And finally I said, Lord, would you please do whatever you have to do to me to get me ready to do what you want me to do? Would you break me? It wasn't more than 24 hours after that that I was flat on my, on my face before God with my hip shattered. He just did what I said I needed. I wish I'd said something else now. But I didn't. So, the dream is told. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaohs are one and the same dream. God has revealed to Pharaoh what is about to happen. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain, scorched by the east wind. There's seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is going to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine are following them. Then all of the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh is in two forms is this. The matter has been firmly decided by God and, will, and God will do it soon. Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and, and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, Can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of, of God? Now I want you to see something. In one hour... In one hour, he is taken from the prison house and he's put directly before Pharaoh in the palace house. In one hour. In one hour, everything in your life can be totally changed. God can step in when the time is right and it is appropriate. And suddenly everything shifts and changes.
Pharaoh said, I hereby put you in charge, Joseph, of the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, Make way, make way, make way. He put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. From the prison house to the throne. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Egypt the name Zephaniah Penea. He gave him a wife. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He was 17 when he entered as a slave. And so he entered Pharaoh, king of Egypt's service. And the seven years of abundance began. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance and stored it in the cities. In each city he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph st stored up huge, huge amounts of grain. This incredible story. Joseph produced Ephraim. Beloved by God. God had made him fruitful in his land of imprisonment and accusation. People started coming, countries started coming to Pharaoh, but he would say to them, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. The famine spread over the whole country. Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. In fact, all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all of the world. Do you get it? Now, I'm not saying you'll go to a throne. I'm saying that any service to Almighty God at His direction is a great honor to you. And any rejection of that honor will cause you to lose everything you have. God loves you. He has a place of service for you. But to go to that place of service may cost you everything you have. But refusing to go to that place of service will cost you eternity. Some of you say, oh, pastor, I can't. I've got to take care of my family. 
No, you take care of Jesus and his family, and Jesus will take care of your family. It really means humbling our hearts and acknowledging the fact that we are not righteous. I heard a parable a long time ago. Let me tell you. A man by the name of Jaime was cast into prison. He had a solitary cell. And every day he protested to his jailer his total innocence and how how he had been treated so wrongly. They would open a slot on the floor and slide a tray in with his meals. And then he would push the empty tray through the slot and they would come and collect it. He was a miserable young man. Arrogant, proud, full of himself. One day, after several years had passed, he looked up, high up on the ceiling. And there was a small window. And as he looked out that window from his bed where he lay sulking, he saw a branch with green leaves on it. And as he watched, he saw a bird come and light on that branch and then fly away. And it suddenly dawned on him that life was passing him by, that he was in a prison cell. suddenly dawned on him that he was not innocent that he was guilty he heard his meal come and the trace slide through and he shouted to the jailer instead of I'm innocent get me out of here He shouted to his jailer, just barely loud enough to be heard. I'm guilty. The jailer stopped for just a moment. And he said back, what did you say? He said, I'm guilty. And he heard the jailer's footsteps as he went down the long hallway. And he lay on his bed weeping, saying, I am guilty. I am guilty. I'm not innocent, I'm guilty. He looked at the door to his cell and suddenly 
There was something off about it. He went over to the door and gently pushed on it, and it swung open. He was shocked. He looked down the hall. No one was there. He slowly walked down the hall until he came to a door that led to the outside. He reached forward and he pushed on it. It noiselessly opened. Jaime stepped out into the fresh spring air. And he stood there looking. And he said to himself, I am guilty. Only the guilty go free. What, Pastor? What are you talking about? Only the guilty can be able to confess to the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth and go free. Without that confession, without that humbling of our hearts before Almighty God, we can't go free. Are you guilty? Joseph finally gave up protesting his innocence. How was he guilty? As all human beings are guilty before Almighty God, we're guilty of pride and arrogance. We're guilty of of doing harm to other people. We're guilty. And until you're ready to admit your guilt, you will not be released from your prison. Until you're willing to bend before Almighty God, And confess to him your true condition as a wicked, sinful human person. You can never go free. Many people die in their prison, never entering into the freedom of Jesus Christ, caught in their Pornography, caught in their fornication, caught in their money grubbing, caught in their in their arrogance. Caught in their protesting that they deserve more, that they're entitled. never willing to bend before Almighty God and say, 
I'm guilty. I'm guilty. It takes some pain. It takes some prison time. But at some point, a man or a woman has to give up their vindictiveness and their cursing and their swearing and their striking out against their world. When will you do that? I know this is hard. But this is reality. What will you do? Continue to be imprisoned? Continue to fight for your innocence? To be somebody? Oh, my brother, my sister, you're nobody. I'm not either. Jesus is somebody. Do you understand? We need to humble our hearts before Almighty God, confess our true condition before Him, and say, please grow me up, mature me. Bring me into a place where you can use me for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray. Lord, I come as one today who has been arrogant, who's been hard-edged, who has done everything possible to go after what I want. But today I find myself homebound, imprisoned, waiting on the release from my Lord. For I am guilty. You are the gracious and kind and merciful Lord and Savior. And I come and bow my head before you. And humble my heart. Mighty King, there are those listening today who desperately need you, Jesus, who need to come and humble their hearts before you, who need to come and receive from you forgiveness, who need to come before you and resist. Receive healing of mind, body, and spirit. Lord, it gives me great comfort to know that when we pray, our Lord will answer. Thank you, Jesus. I pray today Lord, that decisions will be made 
by those who will hear this broadcast. Humble, righteous decisions. Decisions that will confess and admit what Romans 2 and 3 really say. That there's not a good man among us or a righteous woman among us. That you alone, almighty God, are holy and righteous and good. Lord Jesus said to that rich young ruler, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. Lord, he didn't understand. He thought he had it all together and that he was the good man. Lord, he was an evil man who turned aside from the living God and refused to participate as a disciple. Lord, I come today asking that every man and every woman listening to this broadcast will bend their hearts before you and humble their hearts before you and confess their wickedness. Lord, would you please, would you come and do that in our hearts? Bend me, Lord. Bend me, Lord. Bend me, O Jesus. Lord, I come today also to pray for the sick who are in Washington, D.C. and and, and other areas who listen to this broadcast. Lord, we want to hurry through and get all the right concepts. Lord, this is not an intellectual deal. This is personal between you and me. This is personal between you and the person who is sick and broken and poor. It's personal for you, Jesus, because you came and you died on Calvary's cross. That's about as personal as you could possibly make it, dying for us, being nailed to a cross for us, breathing, gasping, trying to get breath until finally you gave up the ghost. Lord, that's very, very personal. This Christian gospel is not about erudite intellectualism. It's about a humble man who died on Calvary and shed his blood for me and for each person listening. Lord, I ask that they would avail themselves now of that precious blood that they could be washed clean and be innocent before you that their guilt would overwhelm their hearts that they would give up their their arrogance and intellectualism and come and humble themselves before their savior Lord, I ask for healing 
in the minds and the bodies and the souls of men and women who are listening to this broadcast. Oh, Jesus. I know what it is to suffer. The red haze of anguish and pain that come with broken bones. Oh, Lord. With sickness. I ask for each person who's in that place. According to your knowledge of who they are and what your will is for them, I ask for healing now. I ask for restoration. I ask that they could recover quickly in the humbleness of their heart. Would you come and minister to them? Lord, thank you. Lord, I ask that you would forgive those who have turned their face away from you during this broadcast. I ask for your mercy, your compassion. They don't know what they do. Just like those men who put you on the cross, they didn't know what they were doing. And you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Lord, some who have turned away from you today in anger and disgust, Lord, they didn't know what they were doing. I ask you to forgive them. And I ask you to claim them as your own, changing their hearts. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I don't want to see, Lord, any man or woman cast into the fires of hell. But that's where they're going to go if they don't repent and admit their guilt. Oh, Jesus. Would you strengthen each person who serves you and listens to this broadcast? Would you come in now You know what they're facing. You know the tribulation that they're facing. You know the discouragement they're facing. Lord, would you come by your spirit and encourage them and lift them up? Lord, several times you've come and you've touched me physically and emotionally and have strengthened me for the journey. Lord, thank you. Would you do that now for each person who's listening? Lord, we have no idea the anguish and pain in so many people's lives. Would you release that? Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I have a special prayer today. Richard Boyd is a a dear brother that I love. He's in the hospital. It may be a 
a kidney shut down. They don't know yet. Every month he sends a wonderful gift for the Lord's work. This brother's from Frederick, Maryland. I'm very concerned about him. Would you pray for him? Lord, I I lift up today Richard, my dear friend. I ask for your spirit to go forth in power to him. If it be your will, would you raise him up again? Give him a full assurance of your love that you treasure him. And Lord, I don't know if he will make it out of the hospital. But if he doesn't, Lord, I'm eager to see him on the other side. (laughs) Lord, bless Richard Boyd today with your redeeming love. Thank you. Well, you can write to me. My address is National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. I hope today has been helpful to you and that your heart is open to going and being honest with Jesus about your true condition. Don't pretend and don't lie. Confess and make it real. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.